Hi, this is Pastor Tom and I want to welcome you back to day four of our look through 1 Peter chapter 1. We're looking at verses 13 to 17 today. And these verses talk to us about a different kind of character. Since you have a different hope and a different faith, now he encourages us to live with a different character. In the world below, our character is conformed. In the cut above kind of living, our character is transformed. Conformed character means you become like what's around you. And in fact, you become like within you. In many ways, we become our desires. And that means without Christ, people become the desire for popularity or they become the desire for power or they become the desire for money, become materialism, or they become their addiction. You can see this in people's lives all of the time. But being transformed, that means you become like Christ. By the power of God's Spirit, you become more and more like Jesus Christ. Now, as we look into these verses, we're going to see a word used to describe your character that you might not feel comfortable with. You might feel like, this just doesn't fit me. And this word is the word holy. Be holy in all you do. God has set you apart to be different. God has set you apart even to be holy. Now, what does that mean? Because some of you might think, well, that word means I've got to be perfect. That means I've got to be some kind of a perfect saint, like I've got to have my picture on a wall or statue somewhere. No, holiness is the life that God has called every believer, every follower of Christ to live. So as we look at these verses, we're going to see what it means to live this kind of life. It means that you're holy in how you think, you're holy in, in what you desire, you're holy in how you live. Let's walk through what Peter teaches us about this. First, you're holy and how you think. Verse 13, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. He walks through a different kind of thinking. In order to be holy, you think holy thoughts. First, he says, you prepare your minds for action. In order to act, you have to first prepare your mind to act. I think we all have this wish that we just spring into action and always do the right thing when the need arises. And that does happen in a few emergency situations, but most of the time, we think and then we act. So think about how you could act like Jesus today. Prepare your mind for action. If you think about how you could act like Jesus today, you will more often find yourself acting like Jesus throughout the day. That's what it means to live a holy life. And then he says, be self-controlled. How do I be holy in the way that I think? I've got to be self-controlled. One of the great paradoxes of faith is that the only way to be self-controlled is to be spirit-controlled. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. So throughout the day-to-day, you're either going to live a selfish life, a you-controlled life, or a self-controlled life, a spirit-powered life. Now, I know the word self is there all throughout it, but the truth of the matter is your self can either be selfish or selfless. And the Spirit is the one. He is the one who makes the difference in your life. Be self-controlled. That's what it means to live a holy life. And the only way to do that is through the fruit of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit in your life. And then he says, you want to think holy? You set your hope fully on the grace that's to be revealed. Now, notice that word, fully. Put all your hope on the grace that's to be revealed in Jesus Christ. All your eggs in that basket. Everything is on that. It's okay to wish or to want for certain things to happen in this world. We all want our kids to do well. We all want the business deal to come through. But those things cannot be your place of security. They cannot be your place of ultimate hope because those things could be lost. 
Your place of eternal security, permanent security, is the promise of God's love. And by the way, that makes you better with the other things in life as well. When you become secure and the only thing that can make you truly secure, you're not trying to make your kids a place of security, your job a place of security, which is a lot of pressure to put on your kids or your wife or your job. Your hope is in Christ. So now I can love them out of that security. Maybe you need to be holy in how you think by doing a securities exchange right now. You've been starting to put more and more security in your job, more and more security in what people think about you or how much you have in a certain bank account or how well your kids are doing or whatever it might be. Right now, do a securities exchange. Remind yourself, that's not where my security is. It's all in you, Jesus. It's all in you. You become holy in the way that you think. And as we walk through these things that Peter teaches us about how to live a different kind of character, the second thing he teaches us is you also have to be holy in what you want, in the desires of your life, how your thoughts become your desires. And in verse 14, he says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. So, You don't live out those evil desires. Don't conform to the evil desires you used to have before you were a follower of Christ. Obviously, that is being unholy in what you want. So how do you be holy in your desires? Because all of us, once we became Christians, it didn't mean that we stopped having unholy desires. If you think that somehow you're supposed to stop having unholy desires, you're living with a lot of guilt right now because the truth is all of us are still tempted. All of us still have unholy desires. So how do I become more holy in my desires? I love what Peter says here. He says, as obedient children. One of the ways to have more holy desires is to live your life as an obedient child before your heavenly father. You just recognize, I am loved by him. I am depending on him. I am trusting in him. And that's how you find yourself desiring more and more of what he wants in your life. The more I depend on myself, the more I desire unholy things. The more I depend on him, the more I desire the kinds of things he wants in my life. The more I try to find love outside of him, the more I try to find unholy things in my life. The more I recognize that my love is found in him, then I desire more and more holy things in my life. So just right now, recognize I'm an obedient child before my heavenly father. That's how you begin to live with holy desires. And then he says, be holy in how you live. Your thoughts become your desires, become your life. Verses 15 to 17. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. So we go back to these verses. Be holy, be holy because I am holy. We've been talking all the way through this about And he says here, you got to be holy in how you live. First, he says, you live your lives as strangers. We're coming back to that again. The word holy has behind it the ideas of being distinct, being different, being set apart by God. You don't become holy because of the things that you do. You are made holy by God's grace. And then you do the holy things that he's made you to do because he has made you holy. You live your lives here as strangers because of what God has done. Be holy because I am holy. He's the only one that can do that in your life. And then he says this phrase, which might cause you some more questions. Live in reverent fear. Some people think, well, I thought we weren't supposed to be afraid of God. This is not talking about being afraid of God. This is talking about 
worshiping God, living in reverent fear of God. It's a different kind of attitude, emotion. He says here that God is our judge, and yet you call him Father. The judge of all eternity, the judge of the universe, is your heavenly Father. So you have this closeness to this incredible power, and that creates this reverent fear. It's sort of like how you might handle electricity, I sometimes say. If you're handling an electric wire, you know it doesn't have any power going through it, you don't care about how you handle it. But the minute you know it has power going through it, you have a kind of reverent fear of that wire that you're holding. You're very careful with it. Now, you know it's useful. You might even know it's going to light up your whole house. But you're very careful with it, even though you might appreciate it. Now, that illustration breaks down because God is not a thing. He's a person. And so we are very reverent before God, recognizing his power. But we also know that he's our father, the one who loves us the most. This awe and reverence combines together for this reverent fear. Now, as I talk about this, I want to remind you that there are all kinds of fear of God. How do you know if you're living with reverent fear? If your fear makes you want to get away from God, that's not reverent fear. That's guilty fear. When you feel guilty, you want to get as far from God as possible because you think, well, then maybe he won't notice. How ridiculous. God knows everything. But that's how it makes you feel. God doesn't want us to live with guilty fear. He doesn't want you to live with guilty fear. If your fear makes you want to get away from God, that's guilty fear. If your fear makes you want to attack God, that's angry or hurting fear. And God doesn't want you to have angry or hurting fear. He understands your hurt. He came to heal you that hurt. But if your fear instead makes you want to get closer to God, even though you know you have no right to be there, you want to get closer to God, that is reverent fear, respectful fear. And so, Father, right now, as we pray, we want to come to you in this reverent fear. You've told us, come close to me, boldly come close to me. But you've also reminded us of the greatness of your power. And so right now, we sit, we stand in your presence, recognizing the greatness of who you are, and in that greatness, you love us. And God, we pray that you would help us to live holy lives before you. We need your strength. We need your power. Help us to think holy thoughts, desire holy things, live holy actions. We want that. We need your power to do that. So we pray that day by day, you would be growing us to become more and more like you, and you are holy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to continue to look together at our different character. 